So I am uh, excited. We are actually finishing up this series that we've called More and Less. And so we've just been talking about some of the things that Jesus has, uh, has told us who he was as well as what he said about relationships. Because Jesus was the best relationship expert in the world that the world has ever known. And so we started out talking about more present, less distant, uh, because in this world that we live in right now, um, with everything flying at us, it's very easy to not be present in our relationships. That's key and that's super important. Then we talked about being more kind and less critical. I shared my struggles with that. With the world around us right now, there is actually a destructively critical spirit about our world right now. And we wanna make sure that that doesn't infiltrate our heart within our relationships. Because if we're not careful, we can get very, very critical and when we step away from the word of God and how God says we are to treat each other, especially those that we love. Last week, we talked about more selfless uh, and less selfish. If you, didn't, if you didn't get any of those, I encourage you to go to the website or our YouTube page, pick those up. Um, and I, I believe that your relationships will benefit from those. So today, I hate to tell you, it's not going to get any easier. This has been rough on me. Because today we're going to talk about more listening and less talking. That's right. <laughs> more listening, less talking. Now, Honestly, I think we can all benefit from this. I, I know I can. And can I just tell you, my mouth has got me into more trouble than anything else in my life. And if maybe I'm not the only one, maybe that's you as well. If that's you, if that's happened to you, you can say, oh my. You, you can type oh my in the chat right there. I'm just, uh, you know what? I, um, it, this can affect all of our relationships, husband, wife, uh, student, parent, boyfriend, girlfriend, friends, coworkers, the list goes on. You know, there is, uh, the thing about all conflict is this, okay? We want, when we're in conflict with somebody, we want the exact same thing that they want. Both parties want the exact same thing. Both parties, here's what they want. We want to be heard. But then more than heard, we want to be understood, Right? Say, I want you to be quick to listen to me, and I want you to be slow to speak. But do you want me to be quick to listen and slow to speak? Because you and I both want to be heard and understood, both. And so, but the thing is, is that what we, you know, we may not ever agree, but you need to listen to me. We may not ever agree on how to parent, you know, what we should major in, uh, politically, socially. We may never agree, but c- come on, at least listen to me. And if you have to say something, if, if you're going to interrupt, if you're going to interject while I'm talking, at least say something that lets me know that you actually heard what I said. I mean, even if it's just a head nod, you know, or a grunt, just grunt at me or whatever. If sound is going to come out of your mouth, I want to know that you heard me, right? Because after all, I can't really hear you until I feel like you've heard me. And you can't really hear me until you, to some extent, feel like I have heard you. And it's, very, and it's very easy to think about, well, I'm really glad my middle school daughter's here, or I hope my husband's listening. But look, it's not about them. We always make it about everybody else. It's about us. And this is a game-changing idea. Because, see, James, the brother of Jesus, James wrote a letter to the church, to you and me. And in the letter, he talks about how important it is for us relationally to learn to listen and learn to speak at the right time and say the right thing. And, and look, if you're a woman, if you're here and you're a woman, I cannot 
I can't exaggerate what we're getting ready to discover. Because in the first century, every culture, women had little to no rights. You couldn't testify in courts. You pretty much were property. Father decides, decided who their daughters were going to marry based upon what was going to help them the most. Women had no rights. And James, the brother of Jesus, who had been impacted by the fact that Jesus had elevated the status and the dignity of everybody, starts his letter like this. Watch this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, because you are on equal footing now, times have changed and God has done something new in the world. And, and so we would even find female prophetesses that would speak in the church and things like that. But anyway, he says, dear brothers and sisters, take note. So if you're taking notes, take note of this, he says. Everyone, everyone, everyone should be, that's you, should be quick to listen. Which doesn't make any sense. How do you listen quickly? I mean, you could talk quick, fast, but can you listen fast? But the reason he's doing this is because he's trying to make a very prominent point is that your most important priority in a relationship is to be quick to listen. Make that first before you do anything else. Listen. So, which, let's be honest, that's exactly what we want other people to do for us, right? You know, so James is saying, look, this is just more of what Jesus taught you, okay? You're to do for others what you want others to do for you. You want others to listen to you? You wanna be understood? then be quick to listen and try to understand their point of view. And then he adds to it, he says, slow to speak. So the idea is to be late to speaking. When it comes to my words, I need to wait. I need to be late to speak. And look, if, I, if you have to say something, be curious. When the person that you're having conflict with is going on and on and on and you've gotta say something, be curious, ask questions. Well, yeah, but if I ask questions, they're just gonna keep going on and on and on and talking more, right? Just down more rabbit trails and they're gonna go on and on and on. But maybe, then maybe you should ask three different questions. Just keep providing more rabbit trails and, and opportunities for them to talk more. Why? Because your responsibility is to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And the longer they speak, the less you sin. The quicker we listen, the more we learn, okay? Now, for those of you that are parents, we all know that if we could just convince our kids to be curious when we're talking, they would be better off. Is that right? And so, like, students, if you want to really, really freak out your parents when they're giving you, you know, those parent talks, the dad talk, the mom talk, just, start, just say this, Mom, Dad, I don't really understand what you're saying, but I really want to understand. Could you just say it in a different way so maybe I could understand it? And then you could pick them up off the floor and then maybe you'd better your relationship. If we would just be curious and be quick to listen and slow to speak, then watch this, everything changes in your relationships. Now I'll flip it around and say this, Melissa's right here and I'll say this, my worst parenting moment is when I was quick to speak and slow to listen. Those moments when I did the dad thing right? Those of you that, that have any kind of authority, you know what this is like. I've got the wisdom cup, all right? And I've got the, you know, the experience cup, and I've got the age cup, you know? And you don't even have frontal, frontal lobe development yet, so you don't know what you're talking about. 
You could just stop talking now and I'm going to pour all my wisdom and all my experience into you. Now wait, now wait a minute, where'd my kids go? Why don't they want to hang out with me? Because we're driving them away. Parents, look, this is, this is good for us. Husbands, wives, you need to know this. You can actually write the person you love right out the door. You can write, you can write them right out of the relationship. You can write the best employee out of your company right out of the company. You can be right and right and right and right and right, and you can write people right out of your life. Because I want to be understood. I don't want to be lectured. And I want to be open to your ideas. And if I think for a moment you just partially try to understand what I'm saying, then I'll listen too. So it's both sides. When you see, when you're talking to your kids and you see their eyes glaze over, you know, you could say, you know, I know I'm right. I know I'm giving them good advice. I know I'm giving them count, wise counsel. So why is it that there's no connection? Why is it that there's no communication? And James would say, it's because you're not quick to listen. You're quick to speak. If I want to better my relationships, quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, if we do that, if we get those two ideas, what James says next comes very easy. Watch this. And Okay, so quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, slow to become angry is both a result and a decision. If you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you're less likely to become angry. And it's actually easy to, easier to guard against your anger. So if I ask questions, I want to be curious. Now, anger in this context... Look, we all express anger differently. Some of you just blow up like a volcano. Others of you, you just get in a bad mood and, and you kind of just like revert inward and maybe sulk and trying to get other people to just go, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, so that you can go, nothing. <laughs> the, po the point is, is that look, it's so bad for our relationships either way, right? And we want to bypass this, whether it be passive aggressive and, mo and moody and sulky or it, whether it be that you blow up. We've got to understand what the other person is going through and where they're coming from. And the anger in context that James is talking about, it's more like this. It says angry. It's like drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. Hastily uh, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusion. So here's the formula. The longer you listen, the more you learn, and the less angry you'll be. Okay? The more you listen the less you'll talk and the less angry you'll be. Now, this is why this works. And I understand you're not gonna need to write this down, okay? This is common sense, I get that, all right? But look, this is one of those things that's so obvious that every once in a while, we just need to kind of be reminded of what's obvious so we can keep it in front of us, okay? So we've gotta catch ourselves, you know, whenever we begin to depart from what we automatically know, then it's good to bring us back. So here's the thing. Everything that everybody does makes sense to them. I know that's super deep, all right? I didn't get any amens, I know, but that's deep, all right? Everything that everybody does makes perfect sense to them. And it gets worse, watch this. Everything that everybody says makes perfect sense to them as well. And look, if, and also, everything that everyone believes makes sense to them. So what you, you know, maybe you don't say it, maybe you just think it, 
right? Maybe you don't say it to them in conflict. Maybe you just think it. Maybe it's political things, religious things, money things, whatever it is. When you catch yourself thinking or saying, what's this? I don't know why they would do that. I don't know why they would say that. I don't know why they would believe that. Who needs an education? I'll give you a hint. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why anybody would do that. Well, there's a problem because I don't know. Well, I think maybe I have some learning to do. Well, no, no, no. I just like to be critical, Micah. It's more, it's more fun just to think everybody else is an idiot, right? You know, because if I get an education, then I, then I might have to be, uh, I might have to be graceful with them, or I might have to, have to kind of like take into consideration what they're saying. And God forbid, they might be right. Here's, here's something that's interesting. I am, it doesn't show from the platform, hopefully. I'm incredibly opinionated when it comes to social issues and politics. I personally, my wife and son can tell you, dad, shut up. We know, like I'm watching things and it's just stuff gets under my collar. I mean, it's just, it bothers me. But let me, let me give you a little, a, a little secret. Find somebody on the other side that speaks intelligently and logically and listen to them you don't have to agree with them but listen to them because there was a point in my life where when I was thinking about what other people were thinking and I just I just thought I don't know how they think that I don't know how they could say that I have no idea how in the world and, and I and I use like what an idiot like these are the thoughts ashamedly that, I, that I'm thinking but here's the thing, because what I was watching from the other side and what I was reading from the other side were people just, just yelling and name-calling. And they couldn't speak intelligently about why they arrived at where, where they arrived at. So then I tripped over some people on the other side of my, uh, of my opinions that actually spoke intelligently. I will encourage you to find somebody that, because now what I understand is I could go, you know what, I, I still don't agree with them but at least I know how they got to where they got to. They're not all idiots. Not, everybody, there's a reason why everybody believes what they believe. Now, some people don't know why they believe it. They're just along for the ride because they watch that on their, on their news channel, all right? But there are people that think about the other side. And when I understand, when I, and, and this comes from what we're talking about is speaking less, listening more. And this will, ha- this will work in your relationships as well. As you speak less and you listen more and you ask questions, and this is something that I struggle with, is I ask questions to prove a point. Have you ever done that? All right, I'll ask questions. So why in the world would you think that, moron? That's not the question that we're talking about. All right, but we've all kind of thought that inside, right? But ask questions to actually learn. Come to that humble place where you feel like you can learn. So, you know, but instead, no, I don't want to, I don't want to, people don't want to do that. We just want to sit around and say, how could anybody think that? How could anybody do that? Well, newsflash, they all have perfectly good reasons why they do what they do, why they say what they say, why they believe what they believe. Everybody, everybody, what they do makes perfect sense to them. So if there's something you don't know, I can't believe my wife would do that. I can't believe my son would do that. Why would my parents do that? If there's something that you don't know, that requires questions, not declarations, not many sermons, not proclamations, not here's my big bucket of wisdom that I dump on you. It requires questions. 
And then we get back to what James says. And James says, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you be quick to listen and learn? Why don't you be curious? Why don't you ask questions? Why don't you be quick to listen? Prioritize listening and learning and in your relationships and then be slow. Like even if you're too late, if you're too slow, error on the side of slow to speak. Now, a lot of you have probably read, it's an amazing book. It's called, uh, I read it every year, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. All right? And the fifth habit is, um, is absolutely, it's, it's amazing. It basically says the same thing, and I thought this was good. It says, habit number five, seek first to understood, understand and then to be understood. He got this from the Bible. All right? Seek first to understand, which means I need to ask questions. I need to listen. And then, and only then, once I understand, can I, be, can I seek to be understood? And, and, I, and I try to do this, and I don't get this right every time. As a parent, I've struggled with it. As a spouse, I've struggled with it. As a boss, I've struggled with it. But I try to do my best not to criticize any idea, any concept, any person that I don't know or that I don't understand. Because, look, if somebody understands an idea or a persuasion or an opinion that makes sense to them, how can I criticize something that I don't even understand? And the thing is, is that when we're in conversation and, and when we're just listening in that conversation and we're, and we're listening to, to listen instead of listening to figure out what we're going to say next, look, if you, if, you don't, if you don't do that, it's going to be hard to make your relationships work. And look, I have a filter. Everything that you say to me comes through that filter. It comes through my, the filter of my age, my culture, you know, the world I was brought up in. Um, it's all gonna filter. Everything's gonna be filtered through that. And so, look, you're a fool to criticize me until you understand me. And I'm a fool to criticize you until I understand where you're coming from. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, it doesn't mean that my filter's correct or your filter's correct. It just means that for us to communicate well, we actually have to understand each other, okay? So, now that all sounds great, right? I mean, we could just hang it up there, we could go home. But James isn't finished with us yet, okay? He's like, no, 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 this is all bigger than, you know, why don't you guys just all get along, okay? If it's so much bigger than that. It's bigger than self-help, Okay? He says that there is a divine agenda attached to this. And he continues in verse 19. So everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because. And we think, well, I know why. Because if I'm calmer, I'll be more convincing. <laughs> if I'm calmer and I say, oh, yeah, well, oh, yeah, that, that helps. I, I think I understand now. We kind of reel them in. And then I can convince them to see the world the way I see it. Right, so it's like a trick, right? It's a trap we lay. And James is like, no, 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 no. That's not what this is, okay? James explains why in verse 20. He says, because human anger, tell us why, James, human anger does not produce, well, that's when you don't get your way, right? That's why we get angry and frustrated is human anger when we don't get our way and we get human anger, that's when we talk all the time and not listen very much, human anger does not produce, it does not result in, does not cultivate the righteousness that God desires. It's like, what? Yeah, 
So there are three agendas here, okay? There's your agenda, there is the agenda of the other person, and then there's God's agenda. And as long as you're trying to be right, you know, then that's your agenda, that, that's your righteousness, your rightness. And then they've got their rightness, and then, but then God's got his rightness. And if your anger and your frustration of not being able to get your way or convince them and, and, and their anger that they can't convince you that they're right, neither one of those rightnesses is what God is after. God is saying, hey, look, neither of your rights are righteous. We need to look at something different. We have competing agendas. We have conflicting agendas, but look. My anger in not getting my way and trying to persuade Melissa to think my way does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That's what righteousness means. It just means rightness. And my rightness means this. I know I'm right. That's my rightness. I know I'm right. My anger produces my rightness. I know I'm right. I know you're wrong. And I want you to know that I'm right. And I want everybody to know that I am right. That my anger, my frustration, my persuasion skills produce my rightness, my righteousness. And James says that's not the righteousness that God is actually after. That is not the right right. Okay? And look, this is so big. Watch this. He says, look, let's be honest. You want to be right at each other. God wants you to be right with one another. And there is a huge difference, my friends. You want to be right at each other, and I want, you to, I want you to know that I'm right, and I want you to throw up your hands and say, oh, you're so wise and wonderful. You're right. And this is, for those of you that are in relationships, when you win an argument, do you really win anything? You like win, a, win an argument, yes, where is she? I don't know, but I won. <laughs> yeah, you won the argument, but you lost the relationship. Again, parents, you can write your kids right out the door. Because, see, James is talking primarily to Christians, and he's saying that's not what God wants. It's not about your side or their side. God doesn't take sides. He came to take over all the sides. He doesn't want us to be right at each other. He wants us to be right with each other. And so he actually draws us into Jesus' great commandment. Remember, Jesus gave that one commandment that was the overarching commandment for everything. And he, and he says, as I have loved you, you are to love one another. And the interesting thing is this. Watch this. When you read the New Testament, Jesus did not come to be right. That would have taken about 30 minutes. Shows up, gets everybody together. He says, I'm right, any questions? And he could do, you know, all of his smart answers to smart aleck questions, and he could do all of his miracles, and he could be right. And, and if Jesus just came to be right, it would not have ended with him being crucified. Jesus didn't come to be right. And he says to me and to you as Jesus followers, look, your mission in, in life is not to be right and convince everybody else that you're right. Your mission is to embrace your Savior. He didn't come to be right. He came to reconcile us to God and to one another. So he says to all of us, stop being right at each other. Figure out how to be right with one another. All right, Micah, but how do I do that? So James, yeah, that's easy for you to say, but how in the world do you do that? And James would say, I already told you at the beginning, quick to listen, slow to speak. 
And he would say, look, if the two of you, if the, if the two of you aren't right with God, it doesn't matter who's right. You don't win a fight in a marriage. There is no winner when things aren't right between you. In fact, being right can actually make things worse. Did you know that? Quick to listen, slow to speak. And then he continues to speak. All right, in verse 21, he says, therefore, which means it's connected to what we were just talking to, okay? So let's take this one step further and how this is gonna work. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Now, this phrase here in the Greek, get rid of, that's actually what you would use uh, to say, hey, get rid of your jacket, take off your jacket, take off your coat. That's what that phrase meant. And so what he's saying is, okay, come on, you're walking around with an I'm right jacket. You're walking around with an I'm right, a little patch that says, I'm right, you're wrong. You're walking around with that, right? I know more than the other side. I know more than my spouse. I know more than my parents, all that. Your, your, your goal is to prove you're right all the time. And he's saying, you gotta take that off. And the reason that he says moral filth, that kind of sounds gross, right? Take off moral filth. Here's why. Self-rightness. The Bible term is self-righteousness. I mean, that sounds so, so Christianese, but let's put it into our world. Self-rightness, it's the same thing. It becomes a moral issue really quick because if it's taken to an extreme or even a partial extreme, it can actually become an issue of life and death in my heart. It's true. Look at this. Violence between friends usually, physical violence usually begins with what? Words that escalate out of control. I have to be right. Violence in the worst workplace, sometimes domestic violence, begins with conversations, words. Two people cannot even be close to each other and then the next thing, physical violence has happened because of words. It began with words and it escalated because everybody's talking and nobody's listening. I'm right and I demand my rights. And James says, look, stop, stop, stop. If you're gonna follow Jesus, you could do that, but if you're gonna follow Jesus and you're gonna be reconciled to God and each other, you've gotta take that off like a jacket. And he says there's something else that you gotta take off too, and the evil that's so prevalent. This word evil here, uh, in this context, a better word here would be the word malice, which is basically a desire to harm, to get even, a desire to get back or pay somebody back for what they did for you. He's saying, if, that, if that's what epitomizes your culture, you know, and, and what we're seeing today, then you're in trouble. If you get in the argument with your friend or your son or your spouse, um, you know, you could, you could just say, hey, look, I've got on my I'm right jacket and I've got to convince them and stay in control. We've got to pause and just take that off. Because I know where it leads because it never leads to anything good because if I win the relationship loses. And he says, let me give you an alternative. Take that off. And here's what I want you to put on. It's so powerful, guys. Lean in. He says, this, once again, once again, this key word, and humbly, there it is again, humbly accept the word planted in you. He's saying, I want you to take off the I've always got to be right jacket, and I want you to put on humility. And humility says, we are important than me. That you are the most important person in the room, not me, and we reconciling, us being on the same page, 
being right with you is more important to me than getting my way. That's humility. So he says, I want you to do that. And I want you, then he says, and receive the word planted in you. He's talking to Christians, Jesus followers. So he's, look, you already know how this works. You've already embraced the big picture of salvation. You've got the whole frame and the context that God sent his son into the world to die for you, to put you above himself. You understand that. And now what he's asking us to do is do the same thing. But I don't know how to do that. Well, he told us at the beginning. Yeah, but I don't like that. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Step back into this basic truth that you embraced when you first became a follower of Jesus. The word planted in you. And then he ends with this, which can save you. Now there he's not talking about eternal life. What he's talking about in the context of relationships, to save your marriage relationship, your job relationships, your, your parent relationships, your, uh, your parent to child, child to parent, that maybe you've got to apologize again. You've got to go back and listen. Maybe to save you from divorce. Maybe to save your family from divorce. But he's saying, you got to go back and learn to, to, to go back to what you knew from day one. Because doing this, not just knowing this, but doing this is what makes all the difference. So I'm going to put the whole thing back together. I'm going to read it back through to, for you. And then we're going to go, okay? Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, says, okay? He says, my dear brothers and sisters... Take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And as you're quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to, then you'll be slow to become angry. So why, James, why do we do this? Because it's bigger than just getting along. The human anger, the anger of I want to be right, I want to prove to you that I'm right, in all the conversations, that kind of anger does not produce the righteousness, the rightness that God desires. Because God desires for you to be right with each other, not at each other. Therefore, he says, get rid of, take off that moral filth that I got to be right. I got to have my way all the time. Get, get rid of all that moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent in your culture and humbly accept, step back into the basic truth that got you on this journey as a Christian to begin with. The word planted in you because that has the ability to save you and your relationships right now. Quick to listen slow to speak it's not easy but James says don't settle for being right make sure you make things right that you keep things right see this thing that we just talked about look if you're not a Christian here this is exactly what your heavenly father did for you in Christ watch this he sent his son into the world as the one who could not speak you see this is why I think the Gospels are true, because nobody would make this up. You don't begin an adventure and a story of a Savior with a fragile baby who's chased out of his own country because of a jealous king. But God sent his son into, his world, into the world, not as a preacher, a teacher, a prophet, an author, a wordsmith. He sent his son into the world as a baby who was absolutely speechless. And for 30 years, he just experienced life. The sorrow and the disappointment, the funerals, the persecution, watching Rome invade his own culture and his own country and even his own religious world. 
And for 30 years, he listened and experienced life like you do. And after 30 years, then he began to speak. And what people flocked from everywhere. Why? Because they felt as if he understood them. That's why they listened. In the Gospels, it says they were amazed at how Jesus spoke because he didn't speak as a teacher of the law. He spoke as a person who had a different kind of authority. He sought to understand. And look, here's the best part, is that people who were nothing like Jesus, sinners, loved him. Why? Because they sensed that he was actually listening to them and loved them back. And then he invited them to follow him, and it changed their world. And that invitation stands today. You are also invited to become a follower of Jesus. Would you stand with me? Now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus yet, and you just feel like there is a place in your life that there's something missing. And as I was speaking about who Jesus was and what he did for us, you kind of felt a tug on your heart. Well, I'm telling you, he loves you. He's got a plan for your life. The problem is that sin, our sin, separates us from him. And he wouldn't have it that way. So what he did, this is why, if you don't understand it, this is why Jesus came and died on the cross. Because when he died on that cross, the Bible says that all of our sin from eternity past to eternity future went on him on that cross. And he died to pay for the price of that sin, which was death and hell and the grave. And he died with that sin on him for one reason, and that is for you because he wanted to pay for your sin so that that sin would no longer separate you and you could have a relationship with him. He rose from the dead and he said, look, I've already paid for your sin. And if you'll accept me as your savior and you will follow me as your your Lord, then I, I will, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You'll get to have a relationship with me, go to heaven for eternity when it's over. And, and so he offered that to each and every one of us. And it required two things. One is that we believe that he is the son of God and our savior. And the two is, is that we give our lives to him in full, 100%. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna lead you in that prayer. If you're here and you're kind of feeling that tug of your heart, I'm not gonna bring you up in front of everybody and embarrass you or anything like that. But if that's you and you know things aren't right between you and God, maybe you've known it, maybe you've never known him. Maybe you've known him and you've fallen away and you know that things are not right. You need to get things right with him. I just want to lead you in a prayer. And most of the people here have done this before. And so we're all going to pray with you. So if everybody would bow their head and just pray this with me. And if you're praying this for the first time or or you're recommitting your life to Christ, these are not a bunch of magic words. This is no more powerful and impactful than your commitment to call him, yes, you are my Lord and you are my King and I accept you as my Savior. I give my whole life over to you in full. Whatever you ask, I'm yours. You paid for me, I'm yours. So pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior, but also my Lord. 
to obey you, to give my life to you for all eternity. I know you won't leave me, and I for sure won't leave you. I turn from my sin. Please take my life and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.